0: Are you a Catholic woman who loves your faith, but finds certain aspects of living it out challenging and confusing? Are you a Catholic wife striving for a healthy, holy marriage and sex life, but don't know where to turn for straightforward, faithful, nitty-gritty answers to some of your deep and delicate questions? Are you a Catholic mom who's tired of the compare and despair game we all fall victim to on social media, and are just in need of some solidarity as you discover your own unique motherhood? Are you tired of the sunshine and rainbows pitch? Want to lean into the both and of the mess that happens when the truths of our faith get lived in a fallen world? Well, if that's where you find yourself, you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Emily Frazee, your host of the Total Wine Podcast. I'm here to dig deep and tackle topics that we are all curious about, but maybe too afraid to ask. I'll answer it all with honesty and humor because living the faithful life can make you either laugh or cry, and, well, laughing burns more calories. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. I, man, this episode has been a long time coming. And now that I'm sitting down to record it, I'm just like, oh, uh, uh. it's taken me so long to get to the place where I feel like I can talk about this topic. And yet I'm still like, oh, can I? Anyway, yes, I can. I know exactly what I want to say, but I still do it with trepidation. Um, because it is a delicate topic, a very, very delicate topic, and one that's very tender. Uh, For me, and for probably most of the women who are going to be listening to this. So, I want to approach it with, you know, being delicate and sensitive, but also, I don't know, I might be smacking you upside the head a little bit as well. Well, both and. Um, (laughs) Hopefully the delicate and sensitiveness will overshadow the... Hitting upside the head, but I'm going to talk about birth wars. Okay, we're talking about birth wars today. Um, and we're going to talk about why they're stupid and why they need to stop. Um, and but first, we're going to talk about, or I'm going to. Talk, I always say we. I, I, I am not a you know multiple personality person. Uh, I am going to be talking about birth in general first. Um. And then kind of get into the whole birth war bizarreness. Um, but of course, for those of you who don't know my story, I want I want to play my cards open. Um, because I come at this with a bias. Everybody has a bias no matter what they're talking about. And I just want you to know mine um, as I proceed through this conversation. Because... Um, Not to invalidate anything that I'm saying, but just to give it context. I think context is hugely important so that as you're listening to the things that I talk about, if it's not resonating with you, um, at least you can come back and be like, oh, this is the context through which she is speaking. And as one individual woman, there ain't no way I can capture everybody's experience. Now, I've talked to enough women where I feel comfortable capturing some common themes uh, but also recognizing that, you know, yeah, I, I, in order to be able to capture everybody's experience, that would make me God. So no, not that. Uh, but to play my hand open uh, as we get into this conversation about birth wars, um, for those of you who don't know, I have had three C-sections. And my first two I processed as traumatic. My third one was a very healing C-section. My first one, I, my doctor said I had to get it because I had a full breech baby. My second one, the spacing was too close. And my third one, I was actually at a doctor's office that was fully supportive of my pursuing a VBAC. However, uh, about a week past my due date, they started to, they ran just some routine tests, found some things that looked troubling and I ended up having a third C-section. Um, and that turned out to be very, very providential for both me and my child. So I am coming at this conversation as a woman who has never experienced labor, um, which is a, a, an interesting touch point for me. And, um, In the sense that, you know, that's that's something that I grieve, believe it or not. You know, I've never gone into labor. Um, I've experienced just excruciating pain on the back end of having a child, but never on the front end. Um, And essentially for me, my experiences were traumatic because um, I, I resonate the most with this definition of trauma is that I was powerless to stop what happened to me. And I was abandoned by those who I turned to for help. Uh, And that played out differently in my first two births. Um, And it took me four and a half, almost five years to kind of unravel all of that and realize what happened and to begin the healing process. And that culminated in my third C-section, which was very healing, surprisingly so. Um, But also there was still some things for me to deal with as a result. But anyway, I've obviously on my platforms, I've talked about birth trauma I've talked about, you know, I've tried to highlight just kind of the fact that there are these birth wars and that they're stupid. Um, (laughs) I'm going to say stupid a lot in this episode. I feel like, I don't know, it's either that or four letter words, which do you prefer? Um, I'm trying to shift away from the four letter words. Um, although those would be my default, uh, by the way, the way that I acquired a sailor mouth is a story in and of itself. Maybe I'll tell that story one day, but not today. Um, it's just, man, once you once you start down that road, it is like impossible to break. Anyway. Um, so anyway, so this is, I, I've tried to kind of open this conversation where I, I think my end goal, again, just playing my, my hand open here, is that. I don't know. We women, we're, we're picking fights and 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 placing hierarchies and, and and putting things on a scale of morality that it makes no sense. It makes no absolutely no sense. So what what I want to start by talking about is just birth itself in general. I just want to like lay some groundwork about about birth itself, and this is the context in which I am going to approach the whole birth war issue. Now, for those of you who are listening, you're like, what the, are people really like fighting wars about this? Kind of. And we'll get into that. So if you are completely in the dark and you're wanting to listen to this episode because you're like, who the heck is like picking fights about this? We'll get into that in in later in the episode. But let's start with just just birth in general. I kind of want to just establish some some baseline stuff. I want to bring some awareness to things that every single woman experiences, no matter how she gives birth. Because birth, we have to remember, one of the products of the fall is that women experience pain in childbirth. Now, most of us just think about pain in childbirth as like, oh, you're literally like your contractions and like you're pushing a baby outside your tiny lady hole. Like, yeah, it hurts. That's only encompassing the physical side. And that's only in the span of, you know, I mean, like, the actual pushing and getting the baby out of you is, comparatively speaking, a very short span of time. Now, it's a very intense span of time, so it doesn't matter how short it is. It's like, whoa, okay, okay, you know, it's a lot. I'm not trying to minimize that. Um, But reducing the pain of childbirth or focusing solely on the pain of childbirth as a physical pain doesn't make any sense because we are not just matter. We are also spirit. We are not just bodies. We are also souls. We are embodied spirits. And so what we experience physically has spiritual ramifications, has emotional, mental ramifications. And what we experience emotionally, mentally, spiritually has physical Ramifications. These things are inextricably linked. And so the pain that a woman experiences in childbirth is not just limited to the actual labor, it begins the moment she discovers she's pregnant and continues through labor and childbirth and then extends out through the postpartum period. Pain in childbirth is not just this very confined period of time, it's way broader than that. Now, first of all, I want to just acknowledge the fact that I know some of you are listening and you're like, where am I going to fit? You are the women who love being pregnant. First of all, I don't understand. (laughs) Again, I'm playing my cards open. No, I don't. I'm not trying to demonize you or tell you that your experience is not valid. Actually, the more that I have done my own healing work, the more I've realized how what a disservice it is to hyper focus on the way the childbirth is painful to you because you don't feel like you can share your experience and that is a huge injustice what what we need to cultivate is, is a culture among women where we can make space for everyone's experience no matter how different it is and that we should if a woman has has it, within her body, made a baby, and then that baby came out of her body by some means. The only response that we should have to her is awe. That's it. And I don't care how it happened. I don't care if she had a scheduled C-section and all of the drugs in the world, or if she had a unmedicated home birth, or if she gave birth in the car. I don't care how it happened. She took something microscopic, her body took something microscopic, turned it into an entire person, and then brought that person outside of herself and into the world. That deserves nothing but awe. Full stop. And I think that if we just start to train ourselves to approach the reality of birth with that, like that is our default. Not, oh, well, did you have it, did you have an epidural? Did you not have an epidural? Did you uh did you schedule a C-section or did you go natural? You know, like no, just oh my gosh, your body made a human and it's now outside of your body. Holy Geez. To just approach that reality with awe. Because what happens is, because birth Com- it touches every single aspect of who we are the emotional, mental, physical, spiritual. Birth is an overwhelming experience. Even if birth goes precisely how you want it to, which you're already sniggering because no birth ever has, even if birth goes precisely how you wanted it to, to the letter, birth changes you. Birth is an event after which a woman is no longer the same. And that happens every single time she has a child. I have three children. I am not the same woman that I was after my second child or after my first child. I am a totally different woman. Every single time I have a child, I am someone new. This is huge transitional process where we kind of lose ourselves and have to find ourselves again. That's, that's one piece of the puzzle. That is overwhelming. But then the birth experience and pregnancy, so many women that I talk to, they're like, wow, you know, pregnancy really took me by surprise. Everybody was talking about how it's just wonderful, but man, it like, it was hard. It, you know, I, even if you don't have it, people just think like, oh, if pregnancy is hard, it's because you're puking every day. no, 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 no. There are so many other little things that happen throughout pregnancy that are just, it's just little things constantly. You have to adjust your diet. You have to you know, think about the way that you exercise. Um, you're exhausted because your body is being drained to take something microscopic and turn it into a functional human being, right? Like this is, it it is huge work, huge work. And we don't recognize it because we don't see it. Sure. We see a woman's belly expand, but we don't know. We don't see what all is taking place inside of her body to take this microscopic thing and turn it, turn it into a person. It's huge work it costs a woman something to create a child. And this is where the pro-life conversation about this sucks because all we do is focus on the baby, right? Oh, look at this cute baby, this precious, beautiful new life. Yes, that's true. Like babies, like I've thought about this so many times that babies are evidence that God has not given up on humanity, right? Like You guys are screwing things up royally, but I'm not done with you yet. Every child is evidence of that hope. And that's beautiful. But that comes at a cost, at a huge cost to the woman who is bringing that life forth. And this is not, this does not in any way, shape, or form denigrate the beauty of that new life. It elevates it. And the reason why is because every woman who gives birth to a child, who goes through pregnancy and gives birth, what she is doing, what she is making evident is what Christ did on the cross on Calvary. Every single woman who has a child, that is what she is making evident to us. Even when she has a wonderful pregnancy and she loves being pregnant, there is a cost. She is no longer the same woman after she has that child. There has been a death. And this is all throughout the Gospels. This is what Christ talks about all the time, that the, in order for new life to come, there has to be death. Death is the condition of new life. So every time a child is born, some part of a woman dies. Now again, this is not purely a destructive death. It is a renewal. It is a refreshment. It is a transformation. But we don't we don't, we're not able to recognize that and celebrate that if we don't even recognize the sacrifice and the cost of bringing forth this new life. We have to sit with that first. We have to sit in awe of what a woman does when she becomes a mother. Because the thing is is, you know yes, we, we focus so heavily upon the preciousness of the new life the value and the worth of the new life. Yes, that is all well and good. But who is going, who is going to be the first person? Who is the person that God specifically designed to inform that child of its worth, to sustain that life? It's the mother. So if we want to fight for the child, we fight for the mother. We stand in awe of her sacrifice. We stand at the foot of her cross and we suffer with her. We rejoice with her. Whatever she is experiencing on that cross, in that emptying, in that death to herself, in those parts of her that are dying, we grieve with her and we rejoice with her. We enter into that space with her. That's what we're missing. That's what we're missing. And I think that if we just develop the skill of that being our default setting, that it doesn't matter how a woman brought a child into the world, what I want to do is I want to hear the story and I want to stand in awe of all that you lost and all that you gained. Because when I say birth is overwhelming and that, you know, we're losing ourselves, we're emptying ourselves, you experience every single emotion possible during the birthing process. You experience grief over, you know, the way that you wanted your birth to go, that it didn't happen. Maybe your baby was come like, you know, you wanted your baby to come at 41 weeks, but like, they're still cooking and, you know, happy at 42. Maybe, you know, you wanted to have that unmedicated home birth, but something happened and you ended up in the hospital or you wanted to have an unmedicated hospital birth, but you needed some kind of medical intervention. And there's so many feelings that come with that, with that loss. But at the same time, you're so grateful, right? That you you live in a world where there are these medical interventions, that your baby is alive and in your arms and you're loving on them and that your body can feed that child. Or maybe that's part of your grief too, that you're not able to, um, to breastfeed for whatever reason. But there's fear, there's so much fear and there is also so much grace and peace. And there is frustration and impatience at the same time there is surrender. You're experiencing all of these conflicting emotions at the same time and in a way that touches every single part of who you are. Birth is overwhelming. It is such a huge experience for a woman. Of course she's not going to be the same at the end of this. When she gets to the other side, she, is, she has come so close to death. Hopefully not literally, but certainly spiritually, emotionally, mentally. There has just been a complete emptying of who she is. Because all birth, if you're just going to boil it down to one word, is about surrender. And that is painful. That is very painful. And I'm not just talking about physical pain. I'm talking about spiritual, mental, and emotional as well. The pain is all-encompassing. And it so closely approximates what Christ did on the cross. Because at some point in every birthing process, either a woman is going to have to surrender herself to the hands of her doctors or she's going to have to surrender herself to what her body is doing. Just like Christ put himself in the hands of others and allowed. The crucifixion to happen to him that is what a mother does in birth she hands herself over to whatever is happening so that this new life may come into the world and it is that surrender that allows this new life to enter into the world and that's exactly what christ did for us it was that surrender that gave us life If we hearken back to, you know, what the Blessed Mother did at the Annunciation, be it done unto me according to thy word. That surrender is what incarnated Christ within her. That surrender brings new life. That's what every single mother does in birth. It is overwhelming. So again, we just need to make our default setting that we sit in awe of this. And before we start peppering mothers with questions or judging her about how this happened, To just realize that we are looking at a woman who is totally new. We are encountering a woman who is not the same woman that she was prior to this experience. That deserves our awe. Not our judgment, not our derision. Our awe. So now, when we talk about the birth war, so first of all, you might be wondering, what the heck is a birth war? Why, why are we fighting about this? I'm with you. I don't know why we're fighting about this. It's insane. It's completely insane. It's stupid. Okay, again, I can't use the four-letter words. But basically, it's understandable to a certain degree. So on the one hand, we have these realities of, you know like particularly here in the United States, we have the highest rates of C-sections for any developed country. We have a rising maternal mortality rate. Um, We have, you know, I think like 45% of women report uh, mistreatment or that they withheld information from their doctors or that they withheld asking questions of their doctors. Basically, we do not have an environment in the traditional medical system by and large, and I'm not talking about in every single individual case, but by and large, we do not have a culture in our maternal care system right now that is conducive to actual, that, that is actual care. You know, the a lot of OBGYNs that maybe many of us have seen, they kind of view pregnancy as like a disease, right? Or as something that's, you know, whereas the approach should be like, this is something that your body is doing and we need to work with it. We need to support your body rather than just kind of defaulting to, well, everything's going wrong and, and you know, well, we'll just we'll just get through this and, and get it over with quickly. And the rising C-section rates, like, you know, having this balance between like, yes, there are times where C-sections are medically necessary and we can also say that they're happening way too often. C-section rates, I forget, I think they should be like between 15, 20%, maybe lower. Ours is at 31 The United States C-section rate is at 31, possibly even higher. I think 31 was the last numbers that I've seen. Stupid high. Stupid high. And maternal care, women do not feel cared for. You know, they're not really treated like human beings. I certainly experienced this um, during my second pregnancy. You know, I was just treated like an idiot because I got pregnant quote unquote, too close to my previous birth. And, you know, because I wasn't on birth control, oh my gosh, she's so dumb and irresponsible. And, um, I was just groomed into a a second C-section, but it was not my decision. It was my doctors saying that this is what's best for you. We know best and you just need to go along with it. And this is a common experience for women. And so it makes sense that if this is the reality, if these are the stats and there are all of these adverse outcomes, well, okay, I wanna do the thing that is not gonna end that way. I want to pursue the route where I can guarantee that I am not going to have a horrible doctor. I'm not going to have a C-section. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to read the Bradley method front and back, and I'm going to be able to quote it to you. I'm going to learn all about hypnobirthing, and I'm going to learn about pain-free birth and free birth and all of this type of stuff so that I don't become one of these statistics. Because this is bad, this is wrong and again it's one of these areas where there's this pendulum swing and what I'm always talking about this the two extremes like the pendulum swing doesn't serve anybody the truth is always in the middle the truth is always in the middle the truth is there are good doctors that we do need medical interventions sometimes and the way that women are treated in a lot of situations during maternal care is not okay and there needs to be a change in the medical field at the same time, that doesn't mean that all women should have should pursue home births so That this is what we need to do. Because once upon a time, there was also high maternal mat- uh, mortality rates because there was not all of these medical interventions. Right? Like how high was maternal mortality back in the day before we had our modern medical technologies? It was pretty high. I don't know what the stats were, but it was high. It was not uncommon to hear of a woman dying in childbirth, okay? So there's good things on both sides. And instead of deciding that one or the other is 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 wrong or that a woman choosing a hospital birth or a woman choosing a home birth or anything in between, birthing center, mid, you know, whatever, is stupid or uneducated, th- therein lies the problem to me. This to me is is the whole core of the problem, that we are vilifying women for making educated decisions with the information that they have, making the best decision that they can with the information that they have. And then we decide that it's stupid or horrible or, or irresponsible for any number of reasons. This is the problem because this is that is by the way the mentality if you have that approach towards a woman going through pregnancy and birth that's kind of the mentality that that I was approached with that actually resulted in me experiencing a traumatic birth so if you want to guarantee that a woman has an adverse experience during her maternal care during her pregnancy during her birth treat her like an idiot for whatever reason instead what we should be doing is approaching women with curiosity oh, you're doing a home birth on Medigate. Wow, what did you read? How did you arrive at that decision? I'm very curious. Oh, you're having a scheduled C-section? Wow, okay, what, what did you read? What are you reading? How did you arrive at that decision? Learn. Learn from each other. One woman is not an idiot for making a decision than another. There's all sorts of reasons why for one woman, a scheduled C-section is the best decision for her. And there's all sorts of reasons why for another woman, a, an unmedicated home birth is the best decision for her. You're talking about two totally different women. You're talking about two totally different pregnancies. The circumstances are not the same. You're not comparing like things. Pregnancy is not a universal experience. It is widely variable woman to woman. And so we have to treat each case individually. Now, I get really bothered. Again, I've had three C-sections. Obviously, I get really bothered, should, should come as no surprise, I get really bothered by the people who moralize unmedicated home births. Because that language certainly had an adverse effect on me and the way that I processed my c section. So that's something that's very tender and very close to my heart. Something that I do get a little bit, you know, kind of protective about. There's nothing moral or immoral about the way that you give birth. Full stop. That is the most idiotic thing I've ever heard in the world. That somehow you're holier because you gave birth at home unmedicated the way God intended that this is the definition of holiness. Let me tell you something. If the definition of holiness is, you know, frankly, I find so much more pride in the language and the way that unmedicated home birth is discussed. Because what do I hear women say? And I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. But what I hear women say is that they felt so empowered. They just felt on top. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing but pride is not holiness at the end of the day the way that we give birth is not what makes us holy it's did we say yes to god right this is across the board every single thing that we do every single thing that we do are we saying are we seeking god's will and saying yes and birth is kind of one of those weird places where it's like well okay we have to balance faith and reason here right We have to have faith in God, but we also have medical science. And we need to have this, it's this area where there needs to be this beautiful integration of both. Not a balance, an integration of both. They're not enemies. And there can actually absolutely be a situation where a woman is like, I need to have a scheduled C-section because, you know, I don't have any support and I need to make sure that I can... Have my parents come in town and be here to help me and that I can I can coordinate and line up the support for myself. I would say she's absolutely doing God's will because she's doing the thing that is going to uh, provide the support that she needs so that she can pour out to her child in the best way possible. I can absolutely see that scenario playing out. I can also see the scenario where the woman is like, I've had two C-sections and I need to to give birth at home. I have the support. I have the knowledge. I am ready to go. Like God is saying that this is what I need to do. Get it, girl. You're not stupid. The idea that a woman is stupid or making an an uninformed choice is preposterous. Who is going to care more about a child than its own mother? And we need to start treating women that way. You are designed by God to know what is best for you and your child, and I trust you to make the right decision, even if that means you're gonna have a scheduled C-section. See, so we 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 kind of think that oh, if she's gonna make the best decision for her and her baby, well, then that means she's given birth in a bathtub at home. No. No, maybe, but that's not an absolute. That's not a default. And by the way, I just, I just have to put this out there. Again, this is very, this is a very personal topic for me. And I have wanted to talk about it probably for two years. And I think it's good that I have not talked about it before now. uh, Because I've been able to kind of gain some perspective. But I just want to throw this out there. Again, women who give birth without medication, they just feel like, whoa, ah, Rod, like I am woman, hear me roar. And I love hearing these stories. It's awesome because yes, your body is doing what it was designed to do. Right? And, and and even then there is this surrender because you're having to give yourself over to what your body is doing. You cannot control your contractions. You every woman who has gone like full core, like you know, free birth, they will tell you that it is about just giving into what their body is doing. That is a surrender. That is hard. That's not easy. But then, if, if we're judging holiness as, you know, being the most Christ-like, as, as, you know, doing, like, the way God intended it or whatever... I I always, I I tie birth back to the cross, right? Every woman who gives birth, she's participating in the crucifixion in in some way. And just purely based on optics, on nothing else, purely based on optics, the woman who goes in for a scheduled C-section is most closely approximating the crucifixion. Okay, so if we would just want to have an argument based on this, like, home birth loses, Scheduled C-sections win. Again, I'm not I'm not trying to create something more to fight about. I'm just trying to show the ridiculousness of it. Because there's nothing clo- that would more closely approximate a crucifixion than willfully, and I've done this three times, willfully walking into the OR, laying yourself down on a table with your arms outstretched, and, ha- and putting yourself in the hands of other people who then cut you open and take your child out of you. Nothing gets closer to the crucifixion than that. But it's not a competition about, well, who looks the most Christ-like here. It's that surrender. Surrender exists every time you give birth. So there is no method of birth that is holier than another. And if there is a method of birth that is holier than another, this is the point I'm trying to make. It's scheduled C-section. Because it most closely approximates the crucifixion. So the idea that home births are somehow holier, that we put a hierarchy here. Like, what are we doing? Why is there a hierarchy? There is no hierarchy. There is only a woman brought a child into this world, and that deserves awe. That's it. Now, I do want to touch on, again, like calling out, like there are serious issues with kind of our OBGYN maternal care system, the way that it stands right now. And it, it makes perfect sense to me that people are wanting to go birth center, home birth, midwife, doula. I actually hired doulas during my third pregnancy worth every dead gum penny. Um, I'm so glad that I did that. It was so healing. It was so, it was so needed. It was more about just me being, just advocating for myself and realizing that I can get help. I'm not too much. I'm not a burden. Like I can ask for help, and it's okay. So it was very beautifully healing for me in that regard. I'm like, I'm all for this. You guys want midwives, doulas? Like, yes. Like, go for it, go for it. But here's the here's the thing that I find to be, I think most insidious in this war, is that anything that goes wrong during a birth is the mother's fault. In the way that this language kind of pans out. Anything that goes wrong in a birth is the mother's fault. Let me explain what I mean. So kind of on the the home birth side of things, and I'm I'm going to try to be even here, but I'll start with the home birth side of things. It's like mom needs to read all of these books. She needs to have a particular diet. She needs to take all of these supplements. She needs to get her doula. She needs to do her spinning baby. She did it. And then her baby will just come naturally of its own accord and everything will turn out fine. And the, the undercurrent there is that if she doesn't do all of these things and there is an adverse birth outcome, well, she didn't do enough. She didn't read enough. She didn't take the right supplements. She, she is at fault in some way. Now, I've certainly experienced the flip side going through, um, you know, the full OBGYN medical side of things. I've been made to feel really stupid by doctors because I just don't blindly trust them. And so any adverse outcome, it's like, well, oh, it's my fault because I just didn't do what the doctor said, right? So we see this on both sides. Certainly, this is not something that's unique to one or the other side. But this is where the problem is. This is where we are creating a recipe for a woman to experience a traumatic birth. Because we're telling her that what happens to her that she has no control over whatsoever is her fault that's, that's, that's where this gets really insidious. You know, oh, if a woman just trusts and trusts in God enough, she'll have a pain-free birth. I've literally heard and seen that. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? It is in Genesis that there is pain in childbirth. And you're telling a woman that if she has enough faith in God, she will experience none. Are you out of your mind? Like, what are these people thinking? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. So basically, if a woman experiences pain, it's because she doesn't trust enough, she didn't pray enough, she didn't have the right playlist going. I don't know, she didn't have her essential oils, the right combination. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the, the cause would be, but that's literally how stupid and how silly it gets. Again, birth is about surrender. At some point, there is going to be a surrender. There is something that we do not have control over in this process. And that's okay. That's part of it. It's just that we have to embrace that part of it and be supported in it. That when we lose that power, that we have support. That was like the best part of having doulas. I had a doula in uh, the operating room with me during my C-section and she was there for me and my husband. It was amazing. She was there for me. I was, you know, I'm I'm powerless over what is happening to me, and yet there is somebody there who sees it and acknowledges it and is supporting me through it. That changed everything for me. The other thing that's problematic here in kind of pinning everything on the woman is that we're setting women up to think That if they just do this list of things, this list of correct things, nothing bad will happen to them. It's awful. The fact that, like, we're doing this to women is awful. The point is not to have nothing bad happen to you. It's not to avoid suffering or pain or trauma you're setting yourself up for failure if that's what you're doing. We're setting women up for failure with that approach. Because the point is not it, this is this is really like this this is something that's that's not just confined to birth. It's it's it it covers a lot of things that we can't live and avoid suffering. We can't live and never be afraid. What we need is when the suffering comes, when the fear comes, we need tools to address it, to cope with it, to work through it. That's what we need. It's not about avoiding adverse outcomes. That's ceasing to live. It's about when these adverse outcomes happen, how are we supported through it? One of the most interesting things, when I started opening up about my story with having uh, traumatic C-sections I had several women reach out to me who had home births that were traumatic. It doesn't matter where you give birth, trauma can happen anywhere because again, trauma is being powerless to stop what happens to you and then being abandoned by those who you turn to for help. So this trauma is just this overwhelm of emotion within you that your brain just doesn't know how to process and then when you turn to somebody to process it, they shut you down or dismiss you in some way. That can happen with midwives. That can happen with doulas. Why? Because this is not something that is confined to medical doctors. This is something that we humans just across the board can fail at. This is a human problem. So it's not about avoiding what could happen to us badly. It's about making the best decision for me. That's it. That's hard enough on its own. Without all this other chatter out there, I got to tell you, when I was in my second pregnancy and I am trying to, I was trying to pursue a VBAC, I was trying to find some evidence, I had two extremes. I had the one extreme that was like, if you go for a VBAC before, if you got pregnant less than nine months after your previous C-section, you go for a VBAC, you're going to have a rupture and you're going to die. Like that was one end of the spectrum. But then I had this other end of the spectrum where, you know, women got pregnant two months after having a C-section and had a successful VBAC. And I couldn't trust either piece of information, of course, because one was super extreme and the other one was a woman that I was not. Like her story is great, it's inspiring and I'm glad it worked out for her, but I'm not her. My body is different, my C-section was different. I had a different doctor, I have a different baby, I had a different pregnancy. So I can't take this woman's story and apply it to myself because I'm not her. It's so hard to find this information to make a fully informed decision. And, you know, you we read these books and we follow these accounts where it's like, yeah, no, a woman just needs to believe in herself. Yeah, sure, that's a piece of it. That a woman's mindset about birth absolutely has an effect. Again, that makes total sense to me. We are integrated. Mind, body, soul. That makes perfect sense. But... We have to be careful in the way that we talk about that because then a woman who pursues a certain type of birth plan and doesn't have it pan out that way, now she's going to be like, oh my gosh, it's because I, I didn't believe I could do it. That's what went wrong. I didn't believe I could do it. That's it's just hogwash. It's absolute hogwash. She didn't believe enough. She didn't have enough faith. She didn't do the right prayers. She didn't eat whatever. Hogwash. Absolute hogwash hogwash home births are not a guarantee that everything will go right they are not a guarantee that you will never experience trauma or mistreatment not at all the trauma and mistreatment that women experience through maternal care and through birth is very subtle it it can be very blatant right like some doctor like i've read stories i'm like good freaking night like how are you not in jail for sexual harassment like you've got to be kidding me but it can be very subtle. In my own experience with my first birth, um, after the C-section, you know, I I didn't have words to put to it at the time, but I felt gutted. I felt hollow. I felt like I didn't matter. I felt like no one cared. And I did, it wasn't even something I was cognizant of at the time, but it was there. It was very much there. I didn't feel bonded with my daughter. Uh, Because I didn't get to hold her until later. Like, I was left on the table as they were stitching me up while my husband was next to me getting that first skin-to-skin. And they were telling me, like, oh, it's fine. Like, the baby's going to be fine because she's getting that skin-to-skin. Yeah, what I needed it. I needed that bond with my child. And I didn't get it. And after the surgery, my doctor, my surgeon, she came in and... She said, Emily, you know, your C-section was beautiful. Now, from a surgeon's perspective, she she meant these words as a comfort. And I received them at the time as a comfort. Your C-section was beautiful. That meant there were no complications. Everything was stitched up fine. Like, no hemorrhaging, no extra loss of blood. Like, all the things that a surgeon would be concerned about didn't happen. So she's reassuring her patient, you're going to be okay. But the thing was, is that my emotional, mental, spiritual experience of what just took place got erased and dismissed when she told me my C-section was beautiful. Suddenly, my experience didn't matter at all. And I didn't realize that that's what had happened. And that's why it took me four and a half years to realize what I experienced was trauma. That's how subtle it can be. And again... That's not even, that's not something that is unique to an OBGYN. That is just, that's just a human thing. Midwives can do it. Doulas can do it. There's no guarantees here. So it's not about pursuing guarantees. It's about empowering the woman to make the best decision for her. I trust you, mama. I trust you because nobody knows her body better than you do. Nobody is going to fight for her baby more than you are. Nobody is going to want a better outcome of this birth and pregnancy than you. And so I'm going to give you the support. I'm going to give you the information. And then I am going to trust you and support you when you make the decision that is best for you. There's nothing moral about a method of birth. What is moral or immoral is the way a mother and child are treated during the process. That's where morality comes into play. And women can be dismissed and vilified just as much in a doctor's office as they can when they're pursuing the home birth track or anything in between. You're not guaranteed to be treated with dignity anywhere. So we need to stop approaching it that way. We need to stop telling women that they're stupid for going to a doctor's office. No, they're not. No, they're not. Nobody's fighting for that baby more than her. Nobody knows her body better than she does and that's where she feels comfortable. She's not stupid, she's smart. To the same people who say that we need to trust women and they need, we need to support them to trust their bodies, like if these women choose to go to the doctor's office, suddenly they're stupid. That doesn't make any sense. no sense. There's there's a lack of consistency here. And again, there are bad things happening in kind of the traditional OBGYN track, certainly. There are good things happening in the home birth track, certainly. But why are women getting caught in the middle of this? Why are we telling women that they're good or bad, that they had a better or worse birth based on the, the means by which it happened. Again, I've had women tell me that they do not feel like they can talk about their how their home birth was traumatic because home births are holy. There's nothing holy about a woman who's experienced trauma and believes that she cannot talk about it because that's where healing happens. Healing happens whenever you find somebody, you find an attuned listener with whom you can talk about your trauma, who can hold space for that. That's where healing starts. Healing starts in a relationship. So if we're isolating these women, if we are if we are so focused on a narrative, for the sake of the narrative, people will become collateral damage. And at the end of the day, you know, again, my experiences with C-sections, and if you've had a C-section, mama, you're a hero. Let me tell you something. There is nothing more there is nothing worse. I, I I can't think of a single experience I've been through in my life that is worse than having seven layers of tissue cut through plus a major organ and and being treated as though nothing happened. Told to go home and just don't lift anything heavier than your baby and try to get as much rest as possible but what that looks like is being woken up at least every two hours to feed a child with my body this this broken brutalized body oh but you're gonna be fine oh and get yourself and your baby back in a car in two weeks so we can come check on your your seat your stitches and make sure they're not infected and then come back six weeks later so we can give you birth control because your husband needs to jack off There is no more, I've never felt more dehumanized than after a C-section. And at the same time, what needs to change is not that women should stop getting C-sections, it's the way they're treated. Again, this is why I started this by talking about birth in general, what it is, how we need to treat it with awe. And how we need to treat the woman who goes through it with nothing but awe. She's not the same. She's a new woman. Part of her has died. She has surrendered. She has done what Christ did on the cross. She has gotten the most intimate taste of that outside of the Eucharist. And it has touched every part of her in the most overwhelming way you can imagine. And yet we just, we we get caught up in these absolutely asinine arguments. And I understand where it's coming from. We do want the best for women, but we're not pursuing it in the best way. We're vilifying and judging women when we should be vilifying and judging the caretakers. The medical providers. Yes, even the midwives and doulas in some cases. Hold them to a standard. Now, this is, not, this is not something that I, I feel passionate or called to do, but I know, I know there's plenty of you out there who are in the medical field who may be midwives or maybe doulas. And I just want to tell you, as a woman who's had different levels of care, some atrocious, some outstanding, the outstanding ones were the ones who saw me. They saw me. During my third C-section, one of the most healing moments came right as I was about to receive the spinal. Now, for those of you who've received a spinal, you know that that's probably one of the worst parts because your husband's not allowed in the room, which is the stupidest thing in the world because he's allowed in the room for an epidural but not a spinal. Make it make sense. It doesn't. Anyway, that was where I, in my first two C-sections, that was where I felt the most alone. And before I walked into the ER, I gave my husband a kiss goodbye and I said, I'll see you soon. And I almost couldn't walk into the ER. I looked at the doors and for a split second, I was like, I could turn around and run. What are they going to do? Literally. I did not want to walk into that room. But I did. I was like, well, they're going to catch me and they're going to break. Like, it's got to happen today. It's for the baby. Like, I got to do it. Okay. Okay. I mustered up courage out of I don't even know where and I walked into that room and I sat on that table and they started to prep me to administer the spinal and that feeling of loneliness overwhelmed me and I started sobbing quietly because I didn't want to draw attention to myself for some stupid reason. And the anesthesiologist looked over at me and she grabbed my arm and she saw me crying she said, hey, what's going on? What's wrong? And just like that, just the blink of an eye these two nurses immediately snapped to attention and they came to me and I could barely talk because I was just just this feeling of loneliness was just so overwhelming and they immediately were there and they said what's going on and I all I could all I could could get out of me was just I haven't had good experiences in the past and immediately the nurse in front of me, she just started reassuring me, and she said, Oh, sweetie, I know. She said, It's so overwhelming walking in here. I cannot tell you what those words meant to me. The fact that the anesthesiologist saw me, she noticed me, she saw that you know, I'm I'm just suffering in silence, that I'm just so overwhelmed. She saw me. And immediately the nurse in front of me, she noticed, yes, this validation, this acknowledgement. Doctors, nurses, that's the power you have. Midwives, is just notice the woman. Just notice her. Affirm her. You see what she's going like. This is, this is your job. This is your daily life. It's not hers. This is something new. She's about to become a new woman. Part of her is about to die and you're going to witness it. Notice that. You have so much power to give her dignity in a moment where she feels like it's gone. And that's the challenge I wanna leave you with. Stop vilifying women for making the best decision that they can with the information that they have. Talk about your experience amongst each other, not from a perspective of, of trying to put someone else down Mamas who've had C-sections, talk to your friends who've gone in labor, who've had, you know, unmedicated home births, and just sit in awe at what women go through to bring new life into this world, no matter how it happens. It's incredible. We have so much to learn from each other, so much to give one another, so much support to offer one another. I will admit that it has been really hard for me. It was very hard for me at one point in time to hear people talk about their unmedicated births. And as I've healed, it's still difficult, it's still painful for me to hear that, but at the same time, it validates the pain that I've experienced. Because I'm like, yeah, I really did lose something big. It's not a competition. I don't approach it with envy or jealousy. It's not this competition between the haves and the have-nots. Who's better here? No, we're not communists here. Stop that. Every experience is different and the only appropriate response when a woman talks about what she is going through during her pregnancy, birth, good, bad, traumatic, anything in between is awe. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope it brightened your day and that you laughed as much as you learned. If you're enjoying the show and want more people to learn about what I share here, please leave a review and even share with a friend. I hope to join me again soon. Until then.